0: Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Um, with that said, we are diving in this morning. We're in this, this series, Discipleship, and we're just taking some weeks talking about this idea of discipleship. And this morning, I'm going to talk about an invitation to discipleship. So, you know, when we get an invite right? That is just really great, isn't it? I mean, uh, you think about the power of an invite. Everybody loves getting invited, no matter what it is, but it just makes us feel great to know we were included and that we were invited. And uh, this is something that we've really tried to push in the church is uh, rather than like, you know, big promo, sign up or something, always, always, always there's more power in the personal invite. And I would just give this out to you. If you're in the marketplace, whatever it is, is there's nothing more powerful and mobilizing than the personal invite. And uh, it, it is, and I know that we've got all the media and all this stuff, and those things are okay, but nothing surpasses the invite. Now, it's terrible to feel left out, isn't it? That is a terrible feeling, right? We've all been there of not getting the invite or just feeling like we were left out. And uh, boy, a, a church and the community of the church, we, we should be sensitive to this and really um, uh, really uh, stepping in and uh, using the power of the invite to include people, right? That's in our small groups, our discipleship groups, church, Sunday, whatever it may be, Is just the power of the invite. Now, um, folks, the amazing thing, right, is that uh, our Lord... Right? The, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, right, the Savior of the world, Jesus has invited us, all of us, to come to him, not just for salvation, but has invited us on a journey of discipleship, has invited you to walk with him and to follow him and to learn how to live like him and be a disciple of him. And we have minimized, right, that invitation, um, big time, right, in, in our lives. And uh, I just want to give a quick distinction here. The difference, right, is uh, I think too much we've emphasized, and, and I'd be willing to bet if we could give testimony in most of our church experience in the past that the emphasis has been on that first part of, of receiving Jesus' invitation to come for salvation, to come for forgiveness and those things. Um, and, and the minimized part is, is the second part, but to continue to follow him, to Are we answering yes to that invitation to continue to follow him in discipleship? And what does that look like is what we want to talk about um, here uh, this morning briefly. And so this this journey of discipleship, it is simply this. It's simply um, doing what Jesus did with the disciples, it's inviting someone to, to introducing people to Jesus and then having people uh, become into a group to learn how to follow him and in turn, right, do the same thing with other people. It's really that simple. And um, But the difference with discipleship that separates it from like other Bible study groups and other things is that that call, as we'll see with what Jesus did with the 12, it was centered around really one question and <clears throat> And that one question at the middle is this question of, do I desire to follow Jesus no matter what in my life? That's discipleship, coming together in a small intimate group, right, of a group of women and a group of men where we lock arms with each other. We are vulnerable with each other. We learn to love each other. We do life together, and we, we dive into the Bible. And, and, and somebody's the leader in that group, hopefully more mature, and uh, have more life experience, and who will lead us, help lead us as a group to learn how to become more like Jesus and to follow him and become a disciple maker, as we're going to see this morning, a fisher of men, right? Someone who is learning what it is to engage people and lead them to Jesus and then to walk with them to make them mature in Jesus so that they're doing right the same thing. So I ask you this morning, in your life experience, your, wherever you are in, in your walk with God, has, has you ever been invited into a discipleship group? Has someone ever in, invited you into a small, ladies, there's a, another woman invited you into a small group of women, and the whole point of that is we want you to come join us as we um, look to the word of God and we look to the spirit of God to help us understand what it is to follow Jesus. We want to encourage, we want to go after this, we want to follow him, learn to learn what that's all about. Now, see, discipleship separate. We have all kinds of programs, and those are awesome. We love the programs and the specific topics and even Bible studies. These are great things. We need those things. But discipleship is different, right? It's different. Again, it's circled around this one big question. How and do I desire right, to follow Jesus no matter what right, and to learn to be a disciple of his? This is a huge piece that's missing, right, in the Christian um, environment here in America. And I won't get into all the the proof of that or, or what it is. But one thing is we need to restore it because this is Jesus' command. This is the great commission um, that we'll see here in, in just a minute to go out and make disciples and, and to understand what that is. A disciple, the word, it just means learner. It means follower, someone who has apprenticed, right, to uh, in Jesus' diet, it was the rabbi, and he would call the disciples to come and be with him that they might learn to be like him, right, and to, would learn to be a follower of Jesus. And uh, I know just in my own experience that I was very blessed early on to... Um, to to be invited in some some great groups. Real early on, I know in high school, uh, I was, well, I can even think back even uh, when I was younger to to be invited into little groups where it was all about just learning to follow Christ. But specifically in high schools where it really took off, my youth pastor called a group of us while we were just out there, you know, uh, typical high school students. But uh, man, he opened up his home and, and he poured into us. And as well, my young life leader in high school. Um, Same thing, invited a group of us into kind of a little leadership gathering, but it was a discipleship group where he opened his home, shared his family with us, and loved us, and showed us what it is to look like to follow Christ. And uh, and that moved on into college, because once you get a taste of that, Right? that you, you realize you're partnering with Jesus. Once you get a taste of the power of those relationships, it's something that it's not like we stop and we wait for the next program and we wait for the next Bible study. It is a lifestyle to be a follower of Jesus. I'm being discipled or I am discipling some, could be one woman, you know, a woman on woman. It could be a man discipling another man, a, a smaller group, whatever it is. Is But is once you get a taste of this, man, you want to, you realize that if I'm not in that place of stepping out and needing God to speak to me to to bless somebody else and to push them on is that I I can easily just kind of get lazy. I can just get into a season of not being fruitful or productive and lose my zeal for God. And we have other seasons where we need to step into a discipleship. We need to be ministered to. We just need to be a part of a discipleship group right? to help push the whole group along. And uh, it is key. right? This is something that is to be ongoing. The command is to go and do it. In right? that cycle, you do it, so as Paul right, told Timothy, is, is to pour this out, do the same thing with them that they might do it with others, right? It's this lifestyle of discipleship, of, of learning to walk with God, and, and pouring it into others to bless others, right, um, the, the same way. And uh, I, I think one of the, I think I mentioned the first service, but boy, I think what we see in the church of America is such division among the generations, right? I mean, where's the interaction? Where's the deep interaction, the relational interactions among the generations? And that is a result of a lack of discipleship that carries on, right? Because if I'm in my thirties and I get a taste of, or you go down, twenties, thirty, whatever age it is, I get a taste of discipleship and then I'm faithful with that and I start pouring into other men, right? Is that, is that carries on? Is that I want to do that wherever I'm at. If I move here to that church, is I want to get involved. I want to intimately get involved with some, some uh, men. And ladies, this goes for you too, right? With ladies is, is to uh, have an opportunity to get to that level of a, of a small group of men where we're going after Jesus. And if I'm the leader of that, that it's my responsibility to kind of set the tone of the word of God and get to know these men and and, and to to pray for them and to push them on, to to see, to intercede for them, to see that they they are living out, right, the very best that God has for them. And in turn, they're gonna be able to do that with others, that they will see that this is the Christian life. This is where uh, the power, this is where the joy, this is that develops faith friends, lifetime friends. I look back in all of my years and uh, the most exciting and the lifetime friends that still exist in my life are men that were involved in discipleship together and involved in mission together. Those are the most, it's like the foxhole. That's where God really stirs deep, long-lasting relationships. So I can say, coming back to the church, the void today of lifetime relationships, good faith friendships that last the test of time is a void of discipleship. It is the primary aspect where those relationships are stirred and deepened and, and, and formed. And, and remember, discipleship should always lead it. Never, it's not like a, a course that ends. It should always be propelled out into the sense of now others are, are stepping into making disciples. And, uh, and this is how the generations are brought together because the older we get right the more time and more people we should have been pouring into and we get older and then we we realize this, that those younger people are starving to be with mature, godly, older people who will invite them in and will bless their lives, will be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to them, and, and will have the passion, right, to set them forth. If this doesn't happen, we'll see this division, and we'll see old people saying, "Ah, oh, i got nothing to say to these young people. I don't know what they're about. And the young people saying, well, know, yeah, we don't want to be like that, right? And that's what's happening. And by the way, technology in our culture is doing everything it can, right, to say that you become more useless the older you get. I want that to sink in. Every single bit of media and promotion in our culture, subtly and sometimes not so subtly, says you're not beautiful anymore. You're dying. You're not useful anymore. And you know what? (laughs) The Bible is just the opposite. The Christian life is just the opposite. The older we get, if we live, if we're a disciple and we heed and do what Paul did, right? In, first, in Philippians chapter one, right? It says to live is Christ, to die is gain. And, and, and he was going hard after, even towards the end, the prize of God. And his passion grew the older he got. His faith grew the older he got. And what Timothy and, and the other youth said, people wanted, they were attracted. They wanted to be around that. He was pouring into the generations until his final, until his final breath. And you'll never grow old and lonely if you follow Jesus in discipleship. You will have impactful ministry, and you will see the kingdom use you, right, to build up other men and women who go off to do amazing things for the kingdom of God and who are blessed in their families, blessed in their vocations, right? And it's a lifetime friendship. This is foundational to a healthy church. A healthy church is impossible without a foundation of healthy discipleship. And so I just, I, I, my big question right for us all to hold on to here this morning is: are you or have you invited Jesus into your boat? And have you invited representatives of Jesus into your boat, into your world, into your vocation, into your life, to take this journey of discipleship? And the second part of that question is, have you stepped out and gotten into somebody else's boat to get into their life, to invite them out to the deep waters we're going to see here, right? So that you are have poured into them what it is to follow Jesus. Now, I want to stop right here. Maybe I didn't do a good enough job in the first service, but we had somebody speak up that reminded me. But folks, listen, some of you are sitting there. We all at one time or another in our lives, we think, well, I'm, I, I'm not qualified for that. I can't do that. I don't know the Bible well enough for that. Right? Those are the things. The enemy's just trying to keep us keep us at a place of, of not taking that step out into somebody else's boat where we have to trust God that he will lead us right in this discipleship process. Um, or maybe you've done it before. Maybe you were in a discipleship group and it just didn't go well. Or you stepped out to try to call a group of, men or women, right, into this journey of following Jesus together, and it just didn't go well. And so you sit back and go, well, I must not be gifted at this or whatever the the excuse is. And I just want to say this morning is keep pressing in, keep asking God. And it could be um, you just need a season to step back into a discipleship group to be encouraged, to set vision again so you can launch out again, right? But let me just say this, is that this great commission, it's it's not just for the professionals. Remember, Peter And these guys we're going to look at, these guys were redneck, normal, hillbilly fishermen. Had no education. And if you really get into the details of their life, right, these guys were rough around the edges. But seekers of God. And Jesus took them and he, he turned them into men who changed the world. And the reality is, is nothing. Nothing is keeping him from doing that with your life, except what? Your faith. You're gonna receive that invitation. You're gonna say yes to it and journey into it and keep after it, right? And so we're here as, as a church. This is one of the key fundamental pieces of our 2021 people building project is to reestablish a healthy understanding of what discipleship is and to help come alongside people, invite people into groups and help launch groups. And to just journey with each other on this. And uh, um, so please, if you have any questions, there's a little trifle in the seat back in front of you. I encourage you to take it, read over it. This is kind of the thing we're putting out there as the first resource. The first place we start with each other is the foundation of the gospel and what it means in our life. And uh, that's where we start. And then we, we have multiple other resources, right, and other things to go from there, right, in this journey. But remember, discipleship, what Jesus did with them, it was a very intentional time. It wasn't some just kind of vague, get together, have a coffee, and, hey, what's up in your life? Hey, that's a part of it, for sure. But it's very intentional in the sense of an equipping time and of pushing it. What did Paul say, right? Paul said to the Galatians, I am again in labor with you until Christ is formed in you. That's the heartbeat of every discipler. And if you're a parent, we should be discipling our children, right? And working, laboring with people to see Christ formed in them, to see them followers of Jesus, to see them, right, walking vibrantly um, in all the blessings of God, right? And to journey together through the tough times and the good times and to just lift them up before God. In other words, Lord, I'm a vessel. Use me to bring a blessing. Use me, right? to do what you did with the 12. Use me, Lord, and my gifts to unleash your will for this person. That's discipleship. Right? And um, so, with that said, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 this morning. And... um, just one through 11. Uh, we're gonna journey in this series through, through hopefully most of all the key discipleship little narratives in the scripture. And uh, I love all these narratives. I love all these, uh, these stories of, of Jesus interacting with the disciples and, um, and, and just leading them into this process, right? And boy, we can learn so much from it, and we can see ourselves in, in these men, right? And the questions that they have, their struggles, their lack of faith, and all those things. And, uh, but look what happens after Pentecost. You get to the book of Acts, and you're like, who are these people? They weren't the people I read about in, in the Gospels. What happened to them? It's because they had accepted the invitation for Jesus to get into the boat with them follow him and be disciples of Jesus and to learn what it is to follow him, right? So here we go. Chapter 5, Luke. On one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him, on Jesus, to hear the word of God he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee and he saw two boats by the lake but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that's Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, hey, put out into the deep water and lit down your nets for a catch. And Simon answers, master, man, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. But as, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, knees, and said, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Wow, I just want to point out a, a few things. There's so much in here, right? We, we, could, we could dive into just um, uh, so many things that touch us, right? Personally, things that challenge us, things we need to think about. But let me just, I'm just going to walk through it here and, and point out a, a couple things. First of all, gang, it says the crowd is pressing in on Jesus. And he gets a boat. He says, Simon, I'm, I'm getting in the boat with you. And he went out and says, just put out a little bit. And he just taught from the boat to get some distance from, from the crowd. And folks, this is just a universal principle I think is so key for us to understand individually, but also as a church and really as as in America is, folks, Jesus never was about building a crowd. Now think about this in light of our American culture and think about just how we think. We think when we see a crowd, there must be something going on. Eh, True, maybe. But the question is, what's really going on? Jesus was always about calling people out of the crowd into discipleship. Who is hungry? Who is thirsty? Who will leave the crowd and get in the boat with me? Who's willing to step out of that and come and submit to a process of discipleship to learn what it is to be in fellowship with me and follow me, right? Um... And so he gets in the boat with Peter, right? Which is a shocker. Peter's just standing around, right? He, watching the crowd come and Peter, uh, and Jesus comes to him and says, I'm getting the boat with you. And, uh, you just put this out. And, um, so this it, is kind of awkward for Peter, isn't it? Here he is, he's in the boat with Jesus and the whole crowd's watching them. So Peter's kind of on display too. Peter is now, uh, very much associated, right? With whether he wanted to at this point or not with Jesus, right? And, uh, we mentioned the first service. Just a little background here. Remember, these guys, Peter and and Andrew, his his partner, and James and John, they were followers of John the Baptist. So they were seekers. These were men who were hung, who, who were like, "What's going on?" and they were hungry for God, and uh, they were just looking for the Messiah. And, and the thing is, remember, the promise of God is, if you seek Me, God promises you'll find Me. And anyone who seeks God, God will move somebody anywhere to that person, right? To to bring Jesus to them. And this is, uh, you hear these stories all around the world with with people who are seeking God in all different countries and right now, we know just from our work with Muslims around the world, Jesus is appearing in their dreams. And then after that dream, God provides someone who is, who's a convert, who's, who's, who's met Jesus and been saved. And the, then that relationship takes them and connects them to a little house church somewhere. And that connection takes them, as what we work with, and takes them and connects them to even the larger body of what's going on for equipping. is God is true to his promise. If you seek me, you will find me. And our role in discipleship is to be out there, to lead, to introduce, the invite. Invite people to meet Jesus. And evangelism and discipleship should never be two separate things. These should be intimately connected is that I shouldn't be just discipling. I need to be leading people to Jesus and inviting them into discipleship. The problem, one of the problems is we've separated these and we're all about leading people to Jesus and we just leave them there. And here's a whole list of programs you can be a part of, which is fine. And we never invite them in immediately to start, hey, now let me help you walk and understand what it is to follow Jesus. That, there shouldn't be a gap there. When there is a gap there, often, which we've seen today in the churches, what happens is people fall off, right? And how many people have gone on a kind of a mountaintop experience and, and come to Jesus, had a saving relationship with Jesus? You know, and it, it could be at a young age or whatever, and they got involved in a church or something, and, and man, it just it, nobody invited them into discipleship. They no, no one ever helped them with all their questions. And invited them into a very intimate relational discipleship group to help them work through those questions, work through their past and everything else to understand what it truly means to follow Christ. And we've got so many people like that, right, in America who are, quote, de-churches because then they come, they're part of church, and, they, and they've got all these questions, and they go from one program to the other, but they never really have a chance to, to be known, right, to just lay it out, right, on the table, right, and, and for have someone who journeys with them and helps to show them what it is to live with Jesus and how to take hold of the promises of God. Discipleship is necessary, it's foundational, right, to our, to our faith, and so he gets in the boat and then he goes a little deeper, right? And this is the goal, right? This is why whoever's leading that group needs to be more mature, right? And, and to have some experience with Jesus. And Jesus says to, to Peter, come on, let's go out a little deeper water. Just you and me, away from the crowd, just you and me, we're going. You know? And uh, matter of fact, uh, I, you know, I need you to throw down your net and And remember, folks, it's the middle of the day, and and so not only did he fish all night and not catch any fish, but now Jesus is saying, go out to the deep water, throw your net in, and any fisherman knows that in the middle of the day, you don't catch fish on the top of the water. You do that at night. So it's just a double double aspect of faith of, of the impossibility of asking, in Peter's mind, Jesus is asking him to do something foolish that absolutely makes no sense, right? Now here's the other context. By Jesus getting into the boat, that boat represented Peter's life. It's his vocation. It's how he makes his money. This is his job. This is where he spends most of his time. And folks, this is our primary mission. The primary place that God wants to use you is in the place where you spend most of your time. Obviously at home. Obviously among your family. But most of you spend more time, awake hours, in your vocation. And that's the place that God wants you to be salt and light. And the big question for all of us is, hey man, have I invited Jesus into my boat? Have I invited Jesus into my world? Have I invited Jesus into all aspects of my life in, in that place where, where I, where I kind of get my identity? It's, it's my work. It's, it's who I am. It's how I make money. It's, it's my realm here in this world. Jesus wants to be invited into that place. And that's what's fleshed out in discipleship of encouragement for us. How do we do that? Faithfully, Lord, according to the, to, according to the word of God, right? So he goes out to deep water and he throws, throws the net in and, and uh, the rest, of the, the story is, and you, you, again, you have to understand, this is the biggest catch up. This is like, this is like Peter and the guys winning a billion dollar lottery, like that, it's the biggest financial windfall they've ever had. It's the most successful fishing trip they've ever had. Boom, like that. And so it's an overwhelming, right, miracle and experience. And, and you know, you just have to see Jesus sitting there just kind of laughing and just, just the joy of seeing these fishermen scampering around, these fish flapping everywhere, their boats sinking, and just the chaos of the moment. Of these, uh, just, As it says, they were astonished. What is going on here? Jesus just, you, this is what happens when you invite Jesus into your boat. This is the kind of stuff that happens. But you've got to invite him in. You've got to be willing to learn what it is to be a disciple, right? for these kind of astonishing things to happen. You see the book of Acts. They were in awe. They were astonished. This is what happens when the presence of God comes into our life into our world and and down here it says right that that uh, that in the midst of this you see Peter and Peter um, falls to jesus' knees and and, and just repents he 's overwhelmed because the presence remember we we don 't know if Jesus at this point Jesus is i mean excuse me Peter's still not sure who Jesus is he's looking for the messiah but but he still's not clear like is. This, you know, is he the Lord of the universe, the Savior of the world? <clears throat> and, and so this takes it up a notch. And, and, and Peter goes to his feet and, and he's overwhelmed, right, by the presence of God. He knew, right, the presence of God is in this place. And folks, the only way we can move forward in this Christian life, and especially in discipleship, we start first with the overwhelming reality of our great need of a savior, of God's forgiveness in our life, our overwhelming need that all of our religious, no matter how good we are, no matter how much religious effort we have, it means nothing in the presence of a holy God. Repentance in in that reality of of our brokenness and our need for God in the presence of a holy God is the overwhelming reality of our lack of holiness, our need for his help to make us holy. Holy is uh, this is key, right, to this process. Now, um, there's, there's a couple aspects of the gospel I wanna point out. Too many times we, we, just, we just camp out there and, and I'd be willing to bet most of our, everybody's journey in here in their church experience is all about the, the, the pardoning aspect of the God, the, the forgiveness of sins, what Jesus did for us on the cross, right, forgiving us of our sins. That, that, that's the nugget of the gospel that we focused on mostly. Well, that's the beginning spot. That's amazing, right? He's conquered the power of, of sin in our life. He's given us freely forgiveness. We just receive it by, by faith. Amazing. But, but we don't just, we're not to stop there. Jesus says, no, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. That means I'm going to put my power in you. That means I'm going to make it so you're doing what I've been doing. And this is the power aspect of the gospel. That often And you only get there through discipleship. You only get there when somebody leads you in the process first of the foundation of, of the forgiveness, the gospel, what it's done and making me right, not by my works or religion, but solely by the grace of God. And now to walk with him, to learn to minister like he did, to learn to live like he did, to learn to harness the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, to do what he did, right? And, and to bring that to other people, right? To minister and partner w- with, uh, with Jesus, and folks, always presence, um, presence has to be, I, there's more we need to talk about on this, but um, presence has to be the priority. And this is one thing I think God is doing radically in his church today, is it's, it's this massive shift, right? So much of, of church, American style, is me-focused, I, I I want those 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 songs are what really make me able to worship. Oh oh that coffee or 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 that you know whatever that sermon makes me feel good or whatever it is is it's so and even churches we've created church for those feelings, and and, and that is is completely misleading. The, the, the thing that's at the center of church needs to be the very presence of God and, and the priority when God's people gather together is to, is to be an audience of one. It is to worship him and put our eyes on him. And as it, Jesus promised, if you seek first the kingdom of God, what? All these things, all your worries, all these, these things in your life, these things I'm gonna take care of, but you get your eyes on me. And that's when we gather together. That is to be our focus, is the presence of God, right? Not thinking about what others are thinking or pleasing man. It is about pleasing God first and foremost in our worship, our giving, our, our, our reading, our hearing, our serving each other, ministering each other. It's the presence of God. And, uh, you know, this... this moves on and they come to shore. If you can just kind of picture it in your mind, just this crazy picture of all these fish. And, and uh, how does Jesus respond? Lord, Lord, get away from me. God, I'm an I'm a unholy man. Do you know that over and over, the power of this connection, then Jesus says, do not fear, Peter. Do not fear. I'm not gonna cast you away because of your, your sin and everything. I've come to make you right. And not only that, but you know what? I'm gonna make you a fisherman. I'm gonna pour into you and make you something you can never even dream about. And that starts here and it goes on into eternity, right? It starts here and it goes on into eternity. And uh, man, isn't that where we, we, we had a roadblock, right, on, on that oftentimes in dealing with God and, and thinking about what God has for us right, is he's not done with us. He, he wants so much more, right, for us. Do not fear. Do not get hung up, right, in the religious baggage and, and my or our weaknesses or whatever we could get, all the things we get hung up on. Just don't fear. Don't be afraid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. You can't do it, but I can do it. If you'll follow me, I'll do it. I'll make you a fisherman. I'll make you something and I'll, I'll, I'll make your life so fulfilling and so impactful, eternally impactful. If you'll follow me, Right? If you follow me. And then, of course, it ends with they left everything and followed him. Wow. Talk about convicting. And remember, this is lottery day. This is lottery day. There has the greatest catch of fish ever. Imagine their greatest financial, you know, is the American way would be, man, let's sit down. How can we expand our business? How can we, right, on and on, right? How can we invest this to make more? We need to build more barns to store more fish. We need to buy a market. We need Right? I mean, and there's nothing wrong with those things. And honestly, I think what happened here is my, and I'm just uh, kind of guessing here, but um, I think that they had all of their, could be their wives, their children, and other friends. I think these fish are what paid to support their families while these men left everything to go follow Jesus for three years. Right? And, um, or supported the ministry for three years. Right? Folks, where vision is connected to the will of God, there's always provision. It's one of our things around here, right? Provision follows vision. If that vision, if that is tied to the will of God, if that's God's will, we don't need to worry about provision. He will provide provision for it. The key is, have I invited Jesus in? Am I willing to leave? Am I willing to follow him at all costs? Am I willing to follow Jesus no matter what in life? And folks, it's a little side note, but the way things are going in our country, there's going to be more and more a cost to be someone who follows Jesus and his word and doesn't compromise. And Jesus right now is asking his church across America, right, he's asking his church, who's, who's willing to follow me? No matter what, no matter what, the culture says, no matter how much they revile you or persecute you, blessed are you, matter of fact, when that happens. For my namesake, Jesus says, right? Talked to a friend this week and... Um, he has a good friend who's a Chinese businessman, and uh, it, this is. And I've shared this stuff before, but it's, I think it's just important to understand what our brothers and sisters around the world are doing. All eyes on on the American church. What's going on here? He said this. He said, "Listen, we're not worried about the, the church in China. We're not worried about them at all. Okay, they, they've they started out about." Um, let's see, I can't remember the timeline, but it was a a million um, strong, right? And uh, only about 4 million, 1949 is when Mao took over, it went communist, right? And the persecution started. They right now, the growth rate of the church in China under intense persecution is the same rate as the economic growth of China, right? And they say here in just a few years, there'll be 300 million strong in China. You know what's happening in America? Zero persecution up to now. Guess what our growth rate is? It's not growing. So this Chinese businessman said, listen, the <laughs> Chinese church is praying for America. We're wondering what's going on. Why is it not growing? Why are, why are people all caught up in a thousand other discussions rather than the kingdom of God? Why are they not gathering? Why, why, what, what's going on here? And folks, it's a wake-up call, right, for us. Again, back to this question, are we going to follow Jesus no matter what? No matter what? And and, and, and here's, the, here's, he went on to say, and, and again, this is, uh, uh, it's so important. Outside of discipleship, the church can never be ready for persecution. Outside of discipleship, people will not be able to stand in the midst of pressure. They will cave more and more, which was happening now, Cave more and more to cultural pressure. Cave on the word of God and give in to cultural ideas rather than God. Cave to pleasing man more than God. Without discipleship, the church will never be ready for that time. We have a small window to be prepared with the hope of revival, right? With an awakening, right, of the church again. How is it that those in China can be exponentially growing under intense, no freedom, intense persecution, imprisonment, go down the list of things, and I could say the same story of those in the church in Iran. How is it that they're flourishing? And, 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 and in America, you know the sad thing right now, folks, is this this whole argument we had about is church essential? You know the saddest part of this is? Christians were not living like church was essential. That's the issue. Not what our culture says. The issue that's sad that shows we're not ready for what's coming, is that Christians in America did not see church as essential. We didn't live that way. We're not living that way. Chinese, church is essential, regardless of what pressures are coming. The only way to get there is, you know what, I have to have someone deal with my fear. Do not be afraid. I'm gonna make you a fisherman. Regardless, Peter, and Peter, all these guys went on to give their life. In martyrdom. That wasn't going to happen without discipleship, right? To come into all that God had. And so the question goes out again, are you willing to get, invite Jesus or his representative into your boat, right, to teach you, to show you how to follow Jesus at, at, at all costs, no matter what? That's what Christianity is ultimately, right? And that's what he's calling us to. So um, final thing I want to show you here. Um, Is, uh, here's this is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And you all know it, right? Jesus came, he said to them, All authority on earth. And in heaven be given to me, go now, and make disciples, right? He could say, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In other words, you have to know your relationship with the Father, how much he loves. You have to know Jesus is your Savior. You have to know something of the fellowship and the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life to, to, right, to move on and give that out to others, right? We need someone to show us how to do that, right? Not just the act of water, you know, helping them get dunked. That's not at all right? that's just one small piece of this, right? And he says, here's the next part. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, that I've taught you. So a discipleship program needs to do exactly what Jesus did with the disciples, right? And we have to really ask ourselves, do we have a plan in place? Is that how you've been discipled? Has someone showed you how to do what the disciples did? Theology, yes. Important. The word of God how to live in community, how to be with Jesus, how to pray, yes. How to cast out demons, how to listen to the spirit of God, how to follow the will of God, how to heal the sick, how to worship. Why all these things are so untouchable today is because guess what? We haven't had a healthy discipleship. We haven't done what Jesus commanded us to do. It's just clear, right? Right? A part of the renewal is, Lord, restore this, right? Restore this. Now, there's this beautiful integration of evangelism and discipleship. They should never be separated. If they're separated, what happens is you lead people to Jesus, and then you leave them, as I talked before, and they, they may never be discipled. And they think they're, they're believers, and they are, they're like the wind. They're like the waves, right? And and they never really grow. And it's so sad that we have so much American churches in that place. They've never been discipled. And that might because they chose not to be too, right? These should be integrated, right? So in other words, we start down here and the main question we all have to answer is, do I believe? Have I been saved? Have I stepped into this relationship with God? Has Jesus saved me? Do I know him and profess him as the one and only Lord and all the universe, savior of my life? And have I confessed him as that in my life? And and then we, we, we start engaging, right, our culture are around. Jesus wants it to be that light, right, out there to, you know, uh, to the, the spheres of influence we have. And, and this is just a, a progress that is just kind of trying to put some framework around where all of us have been at one time or another, just so we'll know how to reach out. But um, we have to understand today, there are many who are disengaged, obviously. In this valley alone, less than 2% of people are actively, regularly involved in church. It's one of the most unchurched places in all of America. Right here. Aspen and Glenwood. Now that should well up in you, uh, a passion to, Lord, the consequence of that continuing are heaven and hell, eternity. Lord, rise up some some compassion in, in my life, right, so I can engage the disengaged. In my own experience, most of these folks are not unchurched. They have some church Backgrounder, But what I find is most people today, it's been a, uh, you know, it's been a bad, it, they've had, you know, a bad experience. And so we have to walk alongside them to help them work through that bad experience. And it takes time to do that, right? And then we want to move them to the next. We want to love them. We want to engage them proactively, just talk to them, get to know them, hear their fears, hear their thoughts, hear their, their experience, hear what they think about God. And, and just, we're leading them to the word of God. All right, we're leading to Jesus, that's our role, we're just leading, we're just trying to point, we're trying to invite them always to come and meet Jesus and we have to show them Jesus and his promises. how great and glorious and wonderful he is, what he's done in our life, right? Because we want to stir in them this, this, this seeking, uh, awakening in their own life, like I, I want God, I want, I want him. Right, and, and then we 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 nurture that, and it's at the right time. Right, we we move them, we invite them to the crowd. What's the crowd? The crowd is the gathered believers. It's right here, Sunday morning, or it could be a small one of our home churches, or or a, one of the many great programs that we run. Um, right, it, it's, we're moving them along, and the goal, obviously, is to come to a place of salvation. And folks, we've we've we made salvation to be something way transactional. Just pray this prayer, or just confess you know, Jesus this. Folks, salvation is is understanding, like Peter on his face, understanding his place before the Lord of the universe. It's understanding our great need for someone to forgive me of my sins, right? And that's a crisis of faith, But once salvation comes, then what, as I said, there shouldn't be this gap. Immediately, we should be inviting people into discipleship. That should be the culture of the church. And again, I say to those watching online and here, let us help you. There's a trifold. I encourage you to take a look at that. Read that. Let us help you move right in in this direction and and think through it. And once we're called to be disciples, as the Great Commission says, is that once we've been discipled, we're called to go make disciples. So we should be multiplying. Right, I, I should have a rhythm in my life of getting with men and women, obviously with women, and pouring into them, and then right with the goal of now you guys go out and do it, right? And I'm going to be here to to help you, right? And to see God work through you to love these men, right? And to call out the very best in them, right? It's a multiplier, and that's becoming a fisher of men or a fisher of women, right? Um, and the, and then then that just moves us into what a true spiritual leader is. That is a true spiritual leader someone who's obeyed the great commission and sees this as a regular part of their life because this is where the blessings of life flow, right? Faith friendships, lifetime friendships flow out of this process, gang. And I, and I, I think, I don't remember if I said it earlier, but what, but I know my own experience, folks, there's been nothing that's been more um, satisfying and, and, and exciting and in my years of, uh, of walking with Jesus than the relationships that have been built in my time of discipleship in doing mission together with people. That's when hearts and spirits are formed, lifetime relationships. Those are the deepest relationships you'll have in life. And, and it happens as a result of the blessing of being obedient to step in, right, to, to discipleship. And it's all about coming to this, this question of, well, am I willing? Am I really willing? And you know what? Sometimes, folks, all, in my life, I wasn't willing. I, I believed, right? But I, I, need to, I need to have someone to jolt and really uncover what, what I was holding back on. I, I, I couldn't say for a lot of my life that, oh, yeah, I'm in, Jesus. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to follow you. Oh, I'd say it. But, man, you know, it takes working that out, right? With people who are further down the line than us, right? And so I just leave with you here this morning, right? Have you invited Jesus into your boat? Have you invited Jesus' representatives, other believers into your boat, right? To disciple you, to show you what it is to live and follow Jesus? And have you stepped out into somebody else's boat to call them into This discipleship group, trusting God to do something amazing for you to love them and encourage them and, and, and show them what it is to walk with Jesus, right? And so if you have any questions about this, man, we would love to journey with you, right? Um, In this process, it is at the very foundation of this is what Christianity, this is what it is to follow Jesus, right? This is it. So, Father, we just thank you this morning and for your word, Lord. Set it as seed in our hearts, Lord. Let it birth great fruit in abundance, Lord. And, Father, I pray for everyone watching, everybody here, Lord, I know, I know the feeling of just feeling like, oh, I'm not ready for that or I can't do that. or, Lord, look what you did with these fishermen. They knew nothing. All things are possible with you. And, Father, I pray you'll just stoke in each of us a fire. Lord, to seek you, to walk with you in discipleship, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll make us a church that doesn't just talk about it, but a church, Lord, that's very foundation, it's very relational fiber, is built upon healthy biblical discipleship. Lord, we love you, God. Holy Spirit, come and encourage the hearts of your people, Lord. No, it's never too late to start this, never. And nothing, no barrier, there's nothing that keeps us for saying yes to his invitation. Jesus, you are all 24-7. You're asking each of us, will you come and follow me? I want to make you a world changer for the glory of the Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.